Good morning, everyone. Joining me on the line today is Juno Assemblymember Wade Bryson. Good morning, Wade. Good morning, Kevin. Now, Finance Director Jeff Rogers had a very informative presentation yesterday at the Juno Chamber on the food sales tax exemption proposal. Before we go into his math, I understand you're in support of such an exemption? I would really like to see something along those lines because the citizens of Juneau are asking for relief in that way. Um, It's going to come down to how we uh, cover um, the other tax amount that we need to uh, by removing the sales tax from food and doing that correctly, I think, is the trickiest part about it. Um, so who doesn't want to remove uh, tax from food? I mean, that's just a fundamental good idea, but how do we make up for that tax shortfall without harming another program or another constituent base? So it's a, a balancing game right now. And it looks like you got two options. You've got a seasonal sales tax, and you've got... Which is... Yes. Uh, the, uh, the seasonal sales tax is a little worrisome because while the tourism pay uh, one-third of the taxes during the summer season, uh, Junoites pay two-thirds of the sales tax during the summer season. And then there are numerous businesses in town that have better summer seasons because uh, that's their main time period, but are not directly connected to the tourism. So their tax increase will solely be uh, bore by the citizens of Juneau. I'm thinking like a furniture store, the paint store, maybe the local bike store, uh, those type of businesses that aren't selling directly to the tourist. And as for the other option, which he had said was not very popular among assembly members, was also increasing property tax. What did, what did you think of that? Uh, well, that is a little bit more of a technically fair way to do it. Um, Food, everybody has to buy food, right? And so uh, sales tax has been historically a regressive sales tax, harming the the lowest uh, socioeconomic rungs, um, where property tax, if you live in a smaller place, you pay less property tax. If you live in a nice or a very big house, you pay more property tax. So the tax is charged a little bit more fairly when you do it through property tax as opposed to the blanket sales tax. And I know that that is definitely not a popular answer, but that is, when you talk about statistics and mathematics, that comes out a little bit uh, more fair. This is what I'm looking for. So between cutting the budget to reach that $6 million number, right, because that's what will be lost if removing yeah. the, the sales tax on food. So between cutting the budget for $6 million or raising the revenue, where, where do you stand? Well, I would have loved to have reduced the budget. Um, but every time we look at reducing the budget, especially when it comes to large, substantial movement and cutting the budget, Juno comes out and says, don't. Um, you know, the pool is a great example. The downtown pool, um, man, I get in trouble every time I talk about it, but bang for the buck, it was the worst value in town. And if we would have eliminated 
the repairs and the subsidy to the downtown pool, we'd be in a really different financial spot right now. But when I suggested that and, and brought forth an ordinance to do that, the community, the downtown pool users just overwhelmingly came out and said, you may not cut that. And that would have been the easiest answer. We could cut like a hundred different things and not come up to the amount of money that we use on the downtown pool. But say close the downtown pool out loud, and I can assure you that the community does not respond well to that. And process-wise, where is the assembly at currently on this proposal? (sighs) Frustrated. Because there's not an easy solution to it. Um, you know, every time you start exploring what could we do to make up the $6 million of lost tax revenue that would come from removing sales tax on food, and, you know, there's just no easy way to come about it. Um, your suggestion is as good as anyone else's, and will be fought by as many people as anybody else's. So let's talk about the budget because you and your fellow assembly members have been spending the last month crafting this document. What are your thoughts up to this point? I do believe we are going to have more challenging years on the budget in the future. Um, Juno's budget has, uh, we were in a growth period uh, when I joined the assembly. Uh, Juno had been experiencing growth in both sales tax and property tax uh, for several years. And then in the pandemic, when, you know, we're, we had uh, a huge influx of state and federal money come into the uh, city, including money into the city budget. Um, and then this year, as we were trying to make up our mind how to do the budget, we have the potential of getting $16 million of back pay for school uh, debt bond reimbursement. And so it, it does make it harder to be like really tight and strict when we got a $53 million uh, subsidy uh, in 2020 and then, you know, 16 here, 16 million in 2022. It, we, we're in unprecedented time, so it's really hard to say what, we're, what things are gonna look like when we're not getting these federal subsidies. And, and that's that, what we should be preparing for now. And so that's the pandemic relief funding you're talking about, right? There was, uh, that was the $53 million direct to the state or direct to the city, um, $53 million. But uh, one count, I heard we had $207 million of federal money coming into the city of Juneau. I mean, so it's been a tremendous amount of money uh, coming in, and it, it does make the balancing the budget a little bit trickier because we have I mean, money that, that we shouldn't and that all go and a, a good portion of that is went to the fund balance as i understand it correct yeah the general fund so then we'll spend from that and so how is that factored into the budget deliberations because you said it would be tricky yeah so projects are programs if we do a project that's one-time funding and it's okay to use a a surplus or a, a government subsidy for that programs are a different, uh, completely different uh, category because a program creates an ongoing expense. And the city budget is actually really tight. They know that they're getting, you know, X amount of dollars because of 
traditional um, or historical information of sales tax and property tax. So they're really closely say, this is the amount of money that we have. We're going to try and spend within that. And, you know, we're trying really hard to do that. And then these things come up and they're like, hey, let's add a program. Well, if we add a program, how are we going to pay for it in two years or four years or six years? Um, because we have this one-time money. And so navigating how we move forward without committing future assemblies to money that we don't have, that's where the tricky part comes in. And how are you feeling around the budget projection that we will see a million cruise passenger or visitors? Uh, <laughs> that must have been a relief given the whopping 47 we saw in the state two years ago. Yes. Um, that does sound about right um, from the information that I'm hearing from uh, Travel Juno, uh, other uh, tourism agencies. Um, I hope that we're somewhere right around there. Um, but again, no, we're, we're guessing at numbers, uh, trying to predict how the rest of the summer goes. Uh, I'm optimistic that a million, uh, pass- uh, million passengers visiting Juno um, is probably a safe bet. So I had posed this question on a previous program to finance chair Carol Treem, but I also wanted to pose it to you as well, since the committee in the past few weeks have been hearing budget presentations from all of the various departments that receive city funding. What's the trend or commonality that you see in their presentations? Inflation, inflation, inflation. Um, we not only have uh, an increase uh, for wages, because um, I'm an employer as well, and the one thing that you can't do is let your wages be stagnant during a time where wages are changing, you know, sometimes weekly. Um, so everybody's concerned about paying their staff enough so that they don't lose their staff. Um, that's probably been the, the general most obvious um, component this year. Because I imagine you have to be competitive in order to even get staff to begin with, right? Yeah, and staffing is an issue uh, across Juno, across the state, across the country. Uh, there are less people working, and for being shut down, that's the one component that I think a lot of people missed. Shutting down a business and then turning it back on is so much harder than keeping continuous operations. And so what I've uh, talked with some folks who have multiple operations, well, it took years to get multiple operations up off the ground and running and and even in the seasonality of it. And so what people are running into this year is imagine trying to open like five brand new businesses all at once. Well, it's incredibly difficult, and especially if you're short-staffed and uh, you've lost some institutional knowledge because you weren't able to keep staff hired that you were before. So they're having a really hard time turning the economic engine back on because it was turned off. And um, that's with uh, millions going into business uh, recovery funds or grants so that we tried to keep businesses as open as possible. And we did a pretty darn good job of it, but we still ran into, you know, all of these operations are trying to turn back on and it's just incredibly challenging. 
Well, we'll have more to speak with Wade after the break. Stay tuned. And we're back with Juno Assemblymember Wade Bryson. There's a petition circulating from real estate agents and concerned citizens in Juno about the mandatory disclosure of property transactions and are calling for a repeal. What is your reaction? Oh, man, is I told you so a little too harsh? Yeah, I think that might be. Um, I was raising red flags every step of the way and said, this is an issue. I brought it to realtors. Um, I've brought in the suggestion of allowing appraisals to be turned in um, as opposed to just the sale price. Um, I would strongly encourage everyone to sign the petition. Um, It must have just taken a little bit more time to get everybody aware of how consequential this would be. Um, I know that the city did it in order with the premise of trying to have the most accurate sale prices so that they could accurately assess all Juno properties. It was this help the um, city assessor, so, right? Uh, it, a few people have uh, brought it forward, but it was to benefit the assessor by giving the most accurate information. And that's why I brought in the appraisals, because a professional, professionally done appraisal provides more information than the disclosure. So, I was trying to come up with an out for everybody, and we just didn't have enough noise behind this, and I think the petition will help get everybody aware. It really comes down to, do you want to say how much you pulled out of your pocket to go buy the house or to go buy your property? And that's a personal thing. And, uh, you know, when you get into people's personal business, that generally invokes a reaction. And then there's also this fine, if you don't. The fine is what really got people riled up. Um, they did the fine at $50 per day that the information isn't provided, and they did it in a way, uh, they did it that amount to ensure compliance, which, you know, from the government perspective, that kind of makes sense. But if you're a Joe citizen, then that's, that's an awfully big threat. Well... We've got this open house coming up, Wade, about the City Hall location. Uh, As our listeners may know, it's 450 Whittier. What do you think of that location? Um, It was my preferred uh, selection. Um, As I've been on the Assembly for almost four years now, the one thing that we were doing wrong was renting space for city operations. eight hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year in rent that's just um uh you know an affront to the juno citizen taxpayer um every city that i go visit i try to find their city hall and even if i go to the most podunk small little town in tennessee when i visit my folks they still have a city hall So for one of the things that, you know, for being the capital city and being such a great city to be doing one of our city operations so poorly that I saw that as being, it happened to be the right opportunity to to take action on City Hall because our current City Hall is in such disrepair that we were either going to dump millions into it or we were going to do this correctly. And I've been part of the discussion 
from day one about New City Hall. Um, I'm the chair of Public Works and Facilities, where that discussion is being held or had been held until it got to this level. And I believe that the 450 Whittier is the correct location and the correct action um, for Juno City Hall for the next 100, 200 years. I really think it'll be solving the problem for that long. And it sounds like you have the issue with the rent on current City Hall. And after 50 years, that must add up. So um, actually, at this point, we were able to not only will we put a little bit money down, I've been very insistent on keeping the price tag nice and low. I'm hoping that we have a city hall that could be completely paid off um, in 30 years, not 50. And I do believe that we when we put something on the ballot, it will have a, a payoff somewhere in that range. But you have no interest at all in continuing would you say you have any interest at all in continuing at the current city hall facility to rent. yeah to, to rent um, pretty much well no because it's it's not a good facility uh the assembly halls are where the old fire uh, trucks used to be uh stationed you have one room that is so warm all year round that there's nothing they can do about it. They can't fix it. They just have a room that's like 90 degrees every day of the year because it's just an antiquated building. It was 50 years old when they converted it to City Hall or something like that, or 70 years old when they converted it to City Hall. It was already an old building when they made it City Hall. And so a purpose-built building. Um, the other nice advantage is that uh, one of the things we rent is um, apartments. We rent two whole floors in the Marine View uh, apartment building, and one of the assembly's main goals is to create more downtown housing. Well, getting city operations out of downtown housing achieves that goal. Um, yeah, it only makes sense. So you had mentioned the work being done in the Public Works and Facilities Committee, which recently had approved a new crusher for the waste facility out there. Will that be going to the full assembly now? Uh, we've had a discussion about it on the full assembly, and I do believe that it has already passed in the budget. Um, right now, there's a there's a lot of talk about PFAS, those forever chemicals or microscopic uh, plastic particulates. Um, we have this brand new waste management system to collect our wastewater and it drives it into this ash but and we can't store it in juno we can't put it anywhere it's not legal to dispose of that treated sewage that's been completely dried because it has a small amount of pfos three parts per billion i think so we ship it down to Oregon or to Washington, uh, Oregon, where they don't have a law against it. So we're not correcting it. We're just literally shipping it to somebody who doesn't have a law against the PFAS. Right now, we ship probably 50% air in each um, container we send down there. Uh, the container to ship is $4,200, whether it weighs 10,000 pounds or 100,000 pounds. And so right now, we, it's bulky. They have to put it in bags because they have to transport it and move it around. And this crusher will shrink everything. And so instead of shipping 50% air down south, maybe we'll be down to like 
15% air that we're shipping in those containers. It would really, uh, this one was supposed to recover its uh, cost in a two-year time period, and that's the fastest of any city expenditure I've seen recover its cost. So this is the right move until we solve the PFAS issue. So before we wrap up here today, Wade, I wanted to ask you about this the gondola for Eagle Crest because I understand you were a proponent of this purchase. What are your? Th- I, I was actually the assembly member that brought forth the ordinance to get the gondola. So yeah, I've been a proponent of it from moment one. So what are your thoughts now that it's pretty much in the city's hands? I, I understand the title was supposed to be swapped over recently. Um, well, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I have said from day one that the gondola is a good business move. And in business, sometimes you've got to have a little bit of risk, but profit is in the risk. And so the other business entities, Chamber of Commerce, Gold Belt, people that do these kind of things, look at startup businesses or pro formas or opportunities or risk and say, hey, yeah, that's worth it, or no, that's not a good idea, that's not worth it. Uh, Craig Dahl, president of the chamber, um, that guy's probably vetted half the businesses in town. And when he looked at this, he said, from a loan perspective, it's not a good idea, but as a business perspective, this is awesome. You know, so all business people were on board with it. it, uh, I do strongly believe that it is going to be the ticket that makes Eagle Crest self-sustaining um, in years to come. And that was the goal. Leave it better than what we found it. And if you never have to put another nickel into Eagle Crest because it makes enough money, well, that's a good thing for all the citizens of Juno. And what hope are you holding out that a deal will be struck with Gold Belt? Uh, very optimistic. Very optimistic. Um, I, I've spoken with the, uh, the parties at play um, a couple of times. Uh, everybody's on the same page. It's just, uh, and they both kind of want the same outcome, and that that's important. So, uh, Eagle Crest maintaining control of the Eagle Crest facilities was an important factor for the city side, and from what I understand, that that's okay with Gold Belt too. So, uh, like I said, everybody's moving in the right, the same direction. Well, thank you very much, Wade, for joining us on the program today. Kevin, I'm sorry that I'm not in the studio in case uh, I'm sure it's going to come out. Um, My wife and I have tested positive for COVID, so I am stuck at the house until I'm cleared. But uh, hopefully I'll see you next week. Well, later today you'll be hearing Greg Dahl, who will cover for Wade on today's Problem Corner program. But that's the Action Line program. We'll be back on Monday to speak with Constantine Mining. It is Mining Month. A very special thank you to all of you listening. See you next time on Action Line. Thanks, Kevin. All right. See you, Wade.